I, I, I will, uh, I have follow-up. Okay, great. Three bits of follow-up, in fact. Uh, first one, the Social Network and the King's Speech were on the 2011 Oscars, not 2009, as I said last week. They were released in 2010. Which which one did you watch? I watched the the Oscars with the King's Speech. Okay. So it was the 2010 Oscars that was the last one I watched. Rest assured, for this mistake, I'm wearing the terrible piercing belt that pierces my genitals <laughs> whenever I try to walk anywhere in his penitence, so don't worry, that's fine. I would also like to give a quick shout-out to the, the, the three pornographers who now follow me on Twitter night. You probably don't exist, but hey, those numbers are going up, and that makes me happy, so hey. <laughs> Just in case the show doesn't work out, and you know, you need mm-hmm. an, an alternate career avenue. I need to make a, a career pivot. Yeah, uh-huh. It's good to keep these doors open. <laughs> also, I'd like to apologize for my incredibly, apparently dry mouth last episode, where I was going... At the beginning and end of every sentence, so apologies. I have had some tea now, so it should be fine. Yeah, I, I had something like that last episode, too. I tried to edit as much out, uh, as much of it out as possible, but uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I, might have just been, I felt like I was just slightly closer to the mic. There was a little bit of popping. Hmm. That's it for me for follow-up. In terms of my follow-up, I've been thinking a little bit about the um, <laughs> remarkable, spectacular YouTube video idea I dropped at the end of the last episode. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I've I'm uh, how far am I on the list? I have written, I think, right up from one hundred and two to number six or five or seven, somewhere in that ballpark. So a lot of writing has been done. In fact, we're over. We're we're in about the thirty-five page long script ballpark. Yeah, that's the word. And I've been thinking, am I going to? Is this a terrible idea? <laughs> have you have you have you started second guessing yourself and going? Oh, this is terrible. No one's going to watch this. I need to turn no, it back. No, I mean, that was never... People watching it was never on the cards. Mm. But I was thinking just, like, how much work-to-fun ratio is going to... How is it going to... How heavily is it going to be weighted to me learning how to make an actual video draining the fun out of this idea? And also, am I ever going to get this done? Bef- you know, you, people usually should start planning these things maybe a month before New Year's. Oh, you you intend to have it done by the end of the month? Uh, yeah, that was, or so, maybe maybe yeah. early January. Foolishness. Uh, so instead, I've been thinking what I might do, a sort of mea culpa to the idea, because I've got the script more or less written, I can go through it, I can edit it, I could maybe put it somewhere, mm. but in terms, I still like would like some sort of video version of it, so I was thinking maybe I'd just stream reading it with some visual aids to make it slightly interesting, thus making it almost like the video I had in mind, with none of the professionalism that would ultimately not be there anyway. <laughs> and mm. uh, and then that could go to YouTube when it's done, and it could be the re- remarkably long year-end list of the games I've it can, played. It can be the, uh, the equivalent of, uh, what's that saying? Every great writer has about a million shit words in them <laughs> that they need to get out before they get to the good ones. Maybe, maybe it's like, you've got oh so amount of minutes of terrible video content that you just need to yeah, ingest yeah. or excrete in some way in order to get to the good stuff. I've been, I think I've been trying to get past that all year, but maybe this will mm-hmm. be the final send-off we all need. <laughs> maybe this will be the final flush. So, what have you been doing this week, Lawrence? What have you been doing? 
I've done three things, three small things. First, I might as well start with Miles Edgeworth Investigations, the Ace Attorney. It has been completed. Good stuff. Now, uh, there isn't too much to discuss about this without giving away plot information, which I am loath to do. <laughs> so I'll just uh, go over a couple of brief points that I would like to talk about. First of all, is that Edgeworth suffering an indignity is much funnier than Phoenix, mm, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he suffers from the, the Batman problem, which is Batman doing things with a big, serious look on his face, and those things are silly, makes it, makes it very funny. Mm-hmm. They walk a good tightrope between making Edgeworth look like a clown. He isn't, he's a professional, and he's very serious, and he's very good at what he does, and he demands the respect of the people around him, but they still, you know, he still has to endure a great deal of indignity from other people. <laughs> One good example that I will say is um, he confronts a, a crying child at one point. So he, he takes one knee and he produces a napkin or a, a handkerchief from his coat pocket. And then the child immediately blows the nose directly into his cravat. Oh, no. <laughs> That's great. That's a good example. It's like they, they get the balance right. Yeah. It's a fine line. You don't want to you don't want to make him look to be the fool, but you still want to make him suffer just a little bit for the for the lulls for the gags mm-hmm. he does have the uh the the best gif i've seen from the show the the anime version of it his usual like you've caught me off guard dead-eyed stare uh mm-hmm. the, the anime has turned it up quite a number of levels they've kind of they give him like a slow zoom as his head kind of creaks all the way it's a great gift on a semi-related note i can confirm wendy Oldbag is indeed in this game <laughs> Yes, that is the reaction of everyone out and in-universe to the sudden appearance of Wendy Oldbag. Uh-huh. May she never die. <laughs> no, she's a... She may be immortal. No matter how far along in the timeline uh, this series may get, Wendy Oldbag will never age and she will remain ever a, a thorn in the side of Edgeworth. This game does, however, it provides my favourite character tick. Look, every character you meet has a, a strange tick. Or a strange uh, idiosyncrasy yeah, like a, like a, like of their like animation. A uh-huh. uh, this game brings me probably my favorite in the entire series. There's a character called Detective Bad, <laughs> and Detective Bad is a he's a veteran of force. He's a hard-boiled, like real smooth dude. He's got like you know classic like noir detective. He's got like g- g- bullet wounds in his jacket, and he never got rid of his jacket, I guess he takes pride in it or something like that. <laughs> and he's got my favorite character tick, which is that in the middle of conversation, he will jerk his head forward, eyes bulging, as he reaches into his jacket as though he's about to pull a fucking piece on whoever he's talking mm-hmm. to. And it scares the shit out of whoever he's talking, whoever it is that he's talking to, only to just pull out a mirror and start inspecting his stubble. And it's the funniest <laughs> because it's like... I was so convinced that he was at one point in the in the story going to pull out a real fucking gun and scare oh the God. shit out of me. I was like, no, this is, this has to be a setup. Like it's like he's like, Whoo! and you, you go, Whoa! and he pulls out a mirror and inspects his double, and you're like, one this one of these days, this guy's going to pull a real fucking piece and it's going to blow me away. And uh, mi- maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Oh, oh, I can't confirm. What a tease! Aside from that, um, on the whole, I quite liked it. The lack of a courtroom scene does act against it, mm. although that that's clearly not what they're going for. Uh, at one point, I was treated with quite possibly one of the most difficult decisions that when like it it asks you a question. And uh, it's it's like a Delta Rune thing where the answer you pick doesn't matter. The game chooses for you, essentially. But it asks you to determine what direction Edgeworth's character development is going to go from this point <laughs> onwards. And I'm like, oh, oh wow. I, oh. Like, uh, th- 
Not to give too much away, there's a situation where you're provided with a choice to present unlawfully obtained evidence in order to gotcha somebody or to not do it. Mm. Now, it's not in a courtroom, so legally it's probably fine, it's a matter of principle, but the way it's pitched to you is, this person is going to get away and they very much don't deserve to get mm-hmm. away unless you present this evidence. But to catch him, you would have to let Edgeworth fall back on bad habits. It, it's not even, well, I mean, the bad habits was he would fabricate evidence. This evidence is legit. It's not fabricated. It's legit evidence, but it was procured in an illegal manner and is not admissible in court, <laughs> and that goes against his newfound principles. To so... not be exactly like fucking... <laughs> what called, Phoenix, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it does kind of mirror where Phoenix is at this point in the story, mm. which is, I'm currently being barred. Disbarred? Uh, disbarred, I think. Mm. Barred, you know... No, what does well, barred mean? Barred from disbarred. the bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's being disbarred. Uh, good point. <laughs> Tragically, one thing I was looking forward to when I booted up this game for the first time, but you never get to do is at no point do you get to slap someone in the face with an updated autopsy report, which is probably the most classic Edgeworth mood imaginable, yeah, but alas... Alas, <sighs> maybe maybe, maybe they're seeing it. He doesn't do that sort of thing anymore. They, they were leaving a little, you know, something, something for the sequel. Mm, kind of lure the, lure the producers in and say, gotta, gotta give us one more shot, man. Apparently the sequel was never localized. Or it's, has not been localized mm, yet. Is that true? Oh, you're right. Japan only. DS yeah. 2011. And there was another game in this franchise that I didn't even know about which is apparently set in, like, Edo, Japan, which is, like, Phoenix Wright's distant descendant. Yes, I've heard of that one. I didn't know about that. There's actually that. a sequel that to that's... that one, too. Oh, I would, I would, I would kill to see that one localized, <laughs> but I know it won't be. I'm looking forward to seeing the, the tortured way in which they contrived to make that make sense with the... <laughs> with the American localization. localization. Which is, yeah. It's like, yes, this all takes place in America. Eat your hamburgers, Apollo. <laughs> they would uh, maybe they'd just contrive. It's not even Japan. It's like a fantasy world, completely removed from all other real life locations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they just like like the camera said. But what if like the whole question is? But what if Ace Attorney? I don't know. Was set in Japan. <laughs> Crazy, unthinkable. <laughs> I imagine what they would end up doing is just saying, "Oh, Phoenix is a fifth generation immigrant of Japan. It's fine." <laughs> you rem- you reminded me there before I completely forget the uh, fake choice thing. I've experienced something like that very recently, uh, and I'll mm-hmm. dip into it here. We're way ahead of when I start talking about Danganronpa two, but I have mm. been playing a little bit, and uh, there was one section which literally stopped me for 20 minutes as I tried to figure out a yes-no answer. Basically how it's set up is you're just about, you're on the cusp of starting a murder trial, or no, sorry, there's an intermission in a murder trial and you've just received new information and Monokuma pauses the trial and talks directly to the player and says, well, if you guess who the culprit in this trial actually is, with basically no evidence to prove at this point that it is them, <laughs> you 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 know you skip right to the end, or something like you'll get an extra bonus or some stuff like that. And uh, if but if you if you if you say yes and you don't get it wrong, we're deleting your save file and you're starting again. And at this point, you're about I'd say three hours into the game. That's a that's a mm-hmm. hefty save file to delete. Yeah, it's just early enough where they you you think they might do it. Yeah. 
Exactly. But it's just it but it's just far along enough that it'd be a tremendous inconvenience. Oh man. I I was So it's a credible threat. Totally stuck. I spent 20 minutes scribbling out all the information I had mentally. Uh I, I you know what? And by the time I decided to say yes, I did in fact have the right murderer, but it was a fake out. Yeah, so, I thought so. Just to anybody who's yeah. ever going to play Danganronpa 2, don't waste 20 minutes of your life hovering over a yes-no question that doesn't matter. See, that's where you and I differently. I, I wouldn't look up who it was, but I would look up, okay, like, if I fuck up here, it's the duck out to it, right? Mm. Are they, are they going to do it? I would look up, what, like, you know, I don't want to know who did it. I want to figure that out. I just want to know if I get it wrong, are they genuinely going to fuck me over here? That's what I would do in your that's, situation. Yeah, that's, that's probably the right way to go. I, I, I thought it would, I wanted to be as honest about it as possible at my own cost. Seems like I've mm. played the game fair. Uh, I, I even did that for the Edgeworth example. Oh, yeah. Which is, it was like, do I present this unlawfully procured evidence in order to corner this guy in my investigation? Uh, and I looked it up because I was like, don't listen, don't tell me. I've got my fingers in my ears here. Just is this OK? Is this a is this a bad end situation? I really don't want to. At which point I was reassured. No, it's fine. Don't worry. It'll railroad you. And I'm like, Whew, boy, have I never been relieved to hear that. Yeah, uh, I know. Railroaded. <laughs> uh, one last thing before I come off of Miles Edgeworth. It's just um, Ace Attorney has always been variably creative when it comes to naming their characters. Mm. You know, there have been a few bit characters where you look at them and you go, oh, very funny. I get the the pun behind that name. You know, lots of plays on words. I think that this game... Okay, I'm going to lay it out straight. There's a victim in a past case whose name is literally Dead Man. <laughs> His name is Dead Man. That's... <laughs> D-E-I-D-M-A-N-N. Uh, that's wonderful. It Man, is. I hope they never stop. I, I mean, I, you know, out of the loop, game's been going on for a while. Maybe they try to take a more serious direction somewhere down the line. I say pun names for everyone forever. Mm-hmm. I just think that's probably the, the least effort they've put in the one so far, <laughs> I suspect. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, de- detec- <laughs> Detective Bad's pretty good, though. Mm. It's not really a pun, it's bad, but it's, it's just a ba- good it's, name. It's bad with two Ds, because he's, like, he's bad. <laughs> In the sense that one must be bad enough to save the president. Mm-hmm. All right. The next game I played this week is one that I played earlier today. It's called Princess Remedy in a World of Hurt. I've heard of that one. I've heard of it. It's another. Mm, is it's it another got... Newgroundsy one? No. It was. Uh, it was made in a four-day game jam. Its aesthetic is more akin to Baba Is You. It, very ZX Spectrum. That sort of color palette. Mm. It's a it's a it's a good exercise in getting bang for your buck, including charisma, because it squeezes a lot of character into a, a one and a I don't know one and a half hour game. I, I I wanted to go around and get a whole bunch of secret bonus shit, so it's probably even less than that. Mm. It's the premise of the game is that you play as Princess Remedy, who is a I suppose some kind of celestial figure who comes down from Saturn to cure the people of the world of their various ailments by doing a, a wee shmup minigame. It's, uh, the gameplay is not entirely unlike Undertale in that respect, I suppose. Only the, there's more shooting, and the things that you're shooting are not people, they are little Dr. Mario personifications of ailments, so you don't have to feel bad. There's yeah, no moral mm-hmm. quandary there. Uh, this game is adorable. It's, it's about as threadbare as it gets, but yet even so, despite the fact that it was made in four days, all 86 NPCs are comparatively unique and they all have unique names and dialogue 
and there's an epilogue where upon defeating the the big disease that inhabits the prince of the realm who apparently and i quote is suffering from everything (laughs) that's great he'll say to you he'll say to you oh you have cured me i will bestow upon you this boon which is you may choose to marry anyone in this kingdom and you will rule as queen with them at your side uh and you can go back much in the same way Undertale has its epilogue where you can go back to speak to anyone, you can go back to every NPC in this game and marry them. And you get a, a just one line of dialogue extra, depending on who it is, where they talk about, wow, I can't believe, you know, that sort of thing. In a short game like this, every every line counts. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they, they do everything that they can to squeeze as much fun, character, and the soundtrack to this game is bopping. Like, it's really good. <laughs> I'm like... You made this in four days? That's ridiculous. That's great. It's also, you know, it would also be a very good game to stream, but oh, intent, mm, intent. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, you know, just in case you're keeping a list. And apparently it's free to play. That's pretty cool. It's got a sequel that you have to pay for, I presume. Yep. Princess Remedy in a heap of trouble. Cute. Mm. <laughs> it's cute in that sort of Shantae kind of way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Just a good in minimalism. Not wasting your time and... Bloated game design. Like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Another game I played this week, the last one, and I have the least to say about this, but they are good things, is something called Familiars.io. Is this a... Did I... Is this a tweet game? It is a tweet game. I just, like, I remember... Something's hitting me in the head that says, you played it via Twitter. <laughs> yes, I, I was going down my Twitter timeline, you know, between the doomsaying and the cancelling and the toxicity and whatnot, mm. I noticed that someone had posted a embedded video and I just said, I have squeezed an actual, genuine, legitimate multiplayer video game into the embedded system for Twitter. And lo and behold, they had. It was also a, you know, bare bones, like, two-bit, like, Pokemon-like. Mm. You could choose a character and a familiar, you know, your Pokemon, basically. Mm-hmm. And you would walk around combating enemies in the wild and leveling up. I'm not sure if there was PvP. I saw other people, other online players, I presume, who seemed to be battling. I'm not sure if they were battling one another. I only played it for about 10 minutes, just enough to appreciate the achievement, the technical achievement that had been made here. Mm. And then I moved on. I have to say, familiars.io, very clever. I like the cut of your jib. It's very, yeah, solid, solid marketing. I didn't even really see it, and I have heard of it, and I know what it's on, so that's pretty impressive. It's really, it's right now on Twitter. The only downside is you'll have to go on Twitter. Mm. It's an oasis in a in a dead sea. Mm. Wait, mm. that makes no sense. An oasis in a sea, that's water and water. It's a, it's a patch of self-contained fresh water in a sea of dead salt water. There you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mm. You wouldn't know it was there unless you swam into it like I did. Mm. What about you, Lee? Uh, How was your week? So I was thinking, our, our news section is probably going to be slightly longer this week because we're going to be talking about the Video Game Awards. So what I had teed up for this week was, uh, already hinted on Twitter, was going to be chatting about uh, The Witcher 1. But I'm going to push that back and keep our keep our little episode trimmer than usual. Uh, let it give us as much room to breathe on the awards as possible. Yes, uh, Lee and I have decided that uh, we have proven ourselves capable of recording roughly three R podcasts for about two months straight. <laughs> yes, yeah, so now we are we are hoping to adopt a more perfection is when you can no longer afford to take anything out approach mm, to making a podcast. Mm. Now 
We've entered the refinement period. We're always pushing ourselves here at Vector Man, yeah. and we're doing it for you, listener. <laughs> Audibly drops pen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfection. Calculated, calculated tomfoolery. Uh, Excellent work, uh, Lee. Well, well choreographed. <laughs> necessary. Every second is necessary here at Vector Man Podcast. So, uh, instead of playing, uh, uh, instead of talking about The Witcher, I thought I'd talk about a game that I started playing this week. I'm about, I'm over halfway through. That is a, a little, a little lighter. And that game is the very first Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light. I almost said sword because I wrote that down. It's actually called Blade of Light. Fire Emblem Blade of Light. And it's a game that has only been localized this month. So I've got a lot of nice things to say about it. Uh, because it's obviously a very cool thing. It's cool that it's been uh, localized. Uh, but before mm-hmm. we get to that, I'm going to talk about some shit stuff. <laughs> get it out of my system. And move swiftly back on to talking about good stuff. Uh, because I didn't know this at time of purchase. Because it was a low price and I just saw it on the store. And I thought, fuck yeah. First Fire Emblem. That's, that's you know, <laughs> satisfies brainworms even in me. <laughs> Hmm, you gotta do an archaeological exercise. No, how, how do I describe it? An exercise in video games genealogy? That's it, yeah, that's right, that's right. And, uh, that Last time I did that on the Switch, it worked out really well, because I did that for the original Dragon Quest. And uh, The original Dragon Quest turned out to be a fucking great game. Like, shallow, very shallow, and grindy as hell, but a great game nonetheless. Uh, very simple and enjoyable. Uh, so I was like, oh, maybe, maybe lightning will strike twice. And I think it did, and I'll get to that. But this game has been released after 30 years on the cusp of Fire Emblem's 30th anniversary. Mm. It has been released by Nintendo, but it's been released again as one of these hard-limited, get-it-only-until-March things. That's it. Stuff they did with the Mario mm. All-Stars. Nintendo. Don't worry. We'll be getting to them later this episode. Well, we're getting to them now a little bit, because... (sighs) I'm glad I took the the plunge. Tech, you know, like I'm I'm really enjoying the game. But honestly, like this didn't annoy me all that much with Mario because Mario's a he's about you know you can get Mario at any secondhand game store. Like I own two of the games already in that collection in some form. I wanted Mario Sunshine. I, I could have got it. I could have just got Mario Sunshine somewhere else. But I, that that was convenient for me. And I figured, hey, anybody can get Mario Sunshine. It's not that old. It still plays on Wii's. Wii's are cheap. Fire Emblem, you can't get this game any any other way legally <laughs> in English. So to hold that at ransom for a three-month deadline to make sure that they bolster desperate fans before the, 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 the end of the fiscal year, I assume to make some sort of bold statement about how good Nintendo can do in 2020, I hate it. Hmm. I absolutely hate it. Well, fortunately, a game of this age and uh, is presumably quite small in size and therefore is easily sequestered away for acquisition by extra legal means. <laughs> so from a consumer's perspective, this is inconvenient, but it is not the end of the world. Yeah, I agree. But it, you're right, it just sucks. It's stupid. It's Nintendo being Nintendo. People, they just, they just don't get it, man. Boomers. Boomer Nintendo. That's what they are. Nintendo boomers. I'm not going <sighs> to... I'm not going to encourage actively for someone to extra legally acquire this game. Of course not. Perish the Fodley, neither am I. But, and not not but, but if someone were, I don't know, 
to miss the deadline. You know, p- p- people are busy. Yeah, you know, you know might, three months might not suit. The three months might not suit. They might not even know about it until after it's done. And, what then? And let's what let's then? assume mm-hmm. they don't live in Japan, where it's available on the NES online uh, service for no additional cost already, so it's a targeted move at the West. Let's assume, you know, you live here, somewhere around this side of the world, and, you know, you miss the deadline. And you're looking like, oh man, you just missed out on like a, what I'm going to describe as a very, very good game. Uh, and, uh, you know, you want to see it in its original glory because obviously you, you, you could play the remake on the DS, sure. But like, you got, you want to see the, 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 the historical, the genealogical side of it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, there's, there's a really good and for the longest time ever quite well touted fan translation of this game. You know, it's already out there. Uh, you know, and until this week, a uh, week of recording, I mean, what else was your option anyway, right? And what's That's your option true. in March? You know, you missed the mm. ball, you missed the ball. And, Much the same. And uh, let's say I technically regretted spending my money. Well, I mean, like, so just assume that you had a copy purchased on your behalf. <laughs> well, you'd be cleared of all wrongdoing, surely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, while you're at it, you know, if you see Mother 3 fan translation out there while you're doing it, I mean, why not get that too? I mean, you know. Shop around. Shop around, I say. You know, they they won't localize it here, so that's really the only way they get a hold of it. Mm -hmm. So. You're going to deprive yourself of one of history's allegedly greatest games because Mm -hmm. of a little bit of localization, which somebody's already done for free. I mean, I like mean, you, you, would, you, you would let their work go to waste. Really, when you think about it, the more moral thing to do is to get it that way. That's that's what that's yeah. what I'm looking. I at. mean, like, who's actually getting that money at this point? You know, everybody mm. who's done working on the game has has long done working on the game. They've moved on. Some are dead. Mm-hmm. Gun, Gunpei Yokoi, he's dead. Maybe Nintendo <laughs> killed them <laughs> by not releasing their game in the West. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Possible. So I'm just saying. I'm not asking for at least one listener of Vector Man Podcast to do me a solid here and balance the check of the misspent money on my behalf by investing in the, you know, the hard, diligent work of the fan community, fan translation community. But if <laughs> one were in the market for such a thing and had ran out of options, I would say, you know, it's a perfectly good fan translation available online. Absolutely, and it's very easy to run out of options if you don't look for additional options. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, just, just don't even think about it. Don't even forget it. Forget ever said anything. So uh, tell me about this game. Luke. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fire, Fire Emblem: Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light is a really, really good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, like it's practically a steal. I wanted to start next year getting in. I, I mentioned this to you. I don't know if I mentioned it in the podcast, but I wanted to start getting into JRPGs a little more next year. Mm. I've very limited exposure to them. I've never played a Final Fantasy any longer than like an R. Uh, I've I played Dragon Quest, the original Dragon Quest. I played the, a little bit of Dragon Quest XI. I'll get back to that. Uh, the only other ones I can think of I've played are Fantasy Star 2. I think I beat that one. It's a really mm. good one. And Nino Kuni, which I didn't beat, but I got about halfway through. And the Persona games, of course. Oh, yeah. Good point. Good point. Um... <laughs> What I wanted to say is that I, because I had such a good experience with Dragon Quest, I wanted to try and start doing doing this whole JRPG thing as brainwormy as possible. Try and get as close to the original Inception as is legally achievable within my hemisphere. You know, I definitely want to get into Final Fantasy, but I, I do think 
from my experience with Dragon Quest and with my experience with this Fire Emblem game, it actually does really seem to benefit starting at the base elements of the game and genuinely feeling the incremental improvements and smoothness in how you get to all these fun JRPG parts uh, as the series goes on, as time moves on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they bloat the fuck out in terms of Final Fantasy, where 13 is like an art house project for fashion designers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's uh, Nomura's... I don't even know what to describe it. I was going to say wank material, but I'm not even... I don't even... <laughs> his favorite catalog. It's his fan fiction, essentially, which is a strange mm-hmm. thing to say about... Uh, the director of a game series making a game in that series and then describing it as his fan fiction, but that's that's honestly what it feels like. <laughs> Thirteen two is the fan fiction. That's what I would say. Mm. I'm I'm excited about it. I'm excited about playing Thirteen. I've never been one to criticize games for their linearity, so you know, with that written off, all I'll hate about it is all the rest of the problems. <laughs> uh, but it's a whole a whole a whole backlog a whole history of gaming just completely lost on me really i wanted to try and get a good start on it and when i saw fire emblem uh released i was like this is great because i've always always loved the look of uh fire fire emblem awakening Mm -hmm. and sat in envy bitterly in my like cage with my ps vita having a grand old time with persona 4 but eyeballing the Kids, the fresh fierce kids with their fire emblem awakening. God damn mm. them all, I said. Maybe maybe one day you can eventually become the most disliked person on the internet. The person who goes, Oh, I can't wait for my new favorite fire emblem character to finally get a smash spot. <laughs> I, was gi- I was actually genuinely thinking that today. So, mm. Man, what if they made what if they brought back one of the original characters? <laughs> As if they were characters and not just sort of stand-ins with designs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although uh, there is some overlap, but I'm quite certain that Fire Emblem is a tactics game, is it not? Well, yes. Technically, it's a strategy game. But it is also very much a JRPG. It's got an anime as fuck aesthetic and story. It's got an overwritten fantasy world. Mm-hmm. It's got a, a lone hero boy with the power to change everything with some inscrutable energy that others supposedly lack. Uh, also, it's got, like, leveling up. Characters level up when they win fights, so you want to prioritize. In, in that case, it's basically no no more different than your average battle system in, a, in an RPG. Hmm. Uh, so I'd say it leans heavier on JRPG with the awesome mechanic, which does work really well in this game, of uh, permadeath, which, you know, I am doing. I'm doing it. I'm not, you know, I have two exceptions. Uh, one of them the game forces you to have, which is Marf Can't Die, your main character Marf mm-hmm. from Super Smash Bros. Melee. The thing. Marf? Yeah, yeah. The Smash <laughs> Brothers character, Marf? He can't die. Your main, he's your main guy and he can't die or the game, right. the mission fails and you start so it again. You, so use him exclusively. Got it. You see, that's, I'll get to that. That's uh-huh. the problem you can't get away with. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I'll just explain why, because... <laughs> What happens is, if you use Marf exclusively, Marf eventually starts buffing up and winning, and then eventually he hits his level cap at level 20, and he's this sort of indestructible tank. Especially if you find an area where they spawn a bunch of enemies repeatedly, and you just hammer hammer up those levels as quick as possible. You will find out, though, that you might have wanted to play it a little safer, because now... Marf definitely can't die in battle, meaning you can't get a in-game reset and save people that did die in the game. Mm. You would have to use a save state. Is there an ability that allows you to redirect enemy attacks to another character? No, not in this one. All I'm sure right, there is so in some of the other ones. 
Yeah, the next loophole after that would be cast spell that redirects enemies' attack. Cast it on Marf. All enemies attack Marf. Hmm, that, w- that would be good. Now, now Marf is this unkillable thing that, you know, he'll probably struggle when he has no teammates left <laughs> in the very late stage of the game. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, people t- enemies target Marf all the time. <laughs> meaning that um they go in they die instantly and nobody gets any level up, nobody gets any experience from the battles <laughs> don't grind this game people you know like don't don't grind marv to to you know to become your 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 best boy he'll, he'll get there anyway it's it looks bad at, at first when he's kind of reliant on his teammates but he, he levels up real quick and has some of the best weapons in the whole thing uh my other exception is uh, the Princess Kata that they give you at the start. She's a Pegasus Knight. That's just a cool mm-hmm. concept. I refuse to play on if she dies. She has never died. I've never used that save state. I'm telling you, this to me, it just... This to me is just save scum central. But just, just a single character dies, reload the save. Well, that's why you gotta be good about it. Because I've been good about it. You, I've rolled with the punches. I, I could have sworn I was gonna get a guy all the way to the end. In fact, I could have sworn I was gonna get a bunch of guys. In fact, I wrote here a bunch of descriptions of characters in case i forgot that were almost all alive at the start of this and now a vast majority of them are dead <laughs> and i just you just roll of it it's, it's fun the roll of it i find it does worry me somewhat that we might not get to the end if they're all dead but marf is very strong that might be enough <laughs> you're uh now, you're going through the... You're doing your JRPG homework. You're going through the Eastern canon, as it mm, were. Mm-hmm. I would strongly recommend Chrono Trigger. That yep. is the best one. Uh, <laughs> I, I would also strongly urge that you do not do what I did, which is play Chrono Trigger because it's the best one. Much in the same way, you do not accept food and drink from fairies because it will be the most delicious thing you ever eat. And mm-hmm. human food from that point onwards will be ash in your mouth until you eventually kill yourself so do not play chrono trigger first which is of course the, the exact pandemic we find ourselves in right this moment absolutely the, to- the great fairy food tasting pandemic of 2020 absolutely the fairies have been slipping their own food into manufactories all across the world and mm. now people are hooked <laughs> that's why we've just been eating pot noodle for weeks it's a global health emergency they have yet they have yet to take our pot noodle munitions from us. <laughs> the fly swatter factories are working nine to five, working twenty four hour seven to bu- get as many like electric fly swatters out there so we can take the fight to them. But until There's, then, we're, every, we're, everybody's got their like, their, you know, they've got a like a glass jar with a stopper strapped mm-hmm. to their just just under their chin, so for easy removal. Every time one of them kills us, we can just. Eat one of their brethren to come back to life. It's a. Uh, it's good. It's we've good got system. this in the bag. Yeah, the, we're, we're basically we're, we're basically at the other side of this whole thing. To be honest, yeah. we just need to stay on it. You know, soon the crisis will be over in a couple of months' time. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So, in light of that, what should I not do? <laughs> play some other games before you play Chrono Trigger, because mm. Chrono Trigger is the best one. And uh, upon me completing it, I was like. Man, that was really good. I'm going to play some of the other ones. They're not as good. Oh, no. Yeah, that's... I might do Final Fantasy VI one of these days. Mm. Or I'll finish Final Fantasy II, the one with Cecil, whatever that one is. I didn't bother to look it up. I'll play that one, then I'll play six. I have no interest in playing one. I definitely want to play one. I don't know. Like, if if, if Dragon Quest and uh, Fire Emblem have taught me anything, you can get quite a lot out of these. 
stupid, very basic RPGs made at the forefront of the technology of their day. See, right now I feel the worm turning, and that happens when I think about these things, so I'm choosing not to think about it. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, that's another JRPG I played. Mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts 2. They like more actiony. That's why you like. I always forget about the more actiony ones. So like I just barely remember Nino Kuni. And Dark Souls. Starting. You've played Dark Souls now. That's a JRPG. Ah, uh, yeah. By the most technical of margins. You know what? I I think we all know what I mean when I say JRPG, right? That's like in the uh-huh. sort of turn-based kind of. We all know what you mean. Nobody wants to say it. What's going on out there? But it's happening. We all know what's happening. <laughs> The JRPGs with their their stupid haircuts and their swords that are too big. Yeah, I I just want to push my 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 level of weebery that that much higher. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. I missed out. In fact, Fire Emblem was a great experience as to teaching me that uh, the kind of games you 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 miss out and by playing it, I, I it's the kind of game that I know if I had had as a kid, I would have been head over heels in love with. And who knows where I would have been now? I could have my pink long dyed hair. Desperately alone. <laughs> you could be listening to this podcast rather than recording it. <laughs> I was just going to say, I would still be on this podcast. Uh-huh. What I really, really like about Fire Emblem is uh, it, the the permadeath thing does give its characters some sort of genuine, like you, you you gain affection for them very naturally. What is it called? It's not it's not emergent storytelling, is it? Is that what you call it? Uh, yes, that would be emergent gameplay. I think emergent storytelling. I suppose emergent gameplay is where you'll go into a corner of the map and have fun throwing physics objects around. Mm, so yes, mm. emergent storytelling, that would be a good good example. Okay, okay, great. Well then, it's a wonderful example of emergent storytelling, which I totally intended mentally <laughs> to say. Also, I, 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 gl- I glanced at the, the cover art for this game and I saw your Pegasus Knight and she's on a, she's on a flying horse and she's using a sword. <sighs> Blunder. Need a spear. You can give her a spear. Good. Excellent. That's a smart way to do it. Or a halberd or something. It's not a spear. It's a, a lance. You give her a, Ooh, s- yeah. a silver lance. I like these words that you're using. Mm-hmm. I like your funny words, Magic Man. I've never, <laughs> <seen> that. <laughs> never watched that show. <laughs> Why? What was that show? It sounds familiar. Really- dra- drawn together, I think? I don't know. Clone High! That was it. It was Clone High. I have also not watched Clone High. Uh, so you know, anyway, the the story the story unfolds right quite naturally. The game does have a script. It's very fantastical. It's a little hard to keep up with when they're just sort of throwing nans at you in a typical JRPG fashion, which is always much worse in the NES days when they had to limit how many words they could put on screen. No, it's merciless. Yeah, yeah they get it or you don't. So yeah, it's not it's not like a deep deep story. It is pretty traceable but it's also like you know once once you once you're done getting the, the terms with where the land is suddenly there's three wizards controlling that land each with a representative weapon all with their own proper noun names mm. you know like that's a lot to throw at the nes i'm sure it would be very exciting if you had the manual on hand but yeah i mean you know you get a, you get used to your or a characters. copy of nintendo power to have all these things explained oh uh, yeah yeah definitely it would have been a good one for the uh in magazine game guides that was a racket. I, I, you know, I used it. I used one for Pokemon Yellow as a kid, and I, it was good because a lot of the stuff I would have missed. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure some of those games were made deliberately obtuse in order to shift copies. You know what I like about uh, some of these characters? Like Marf. Marf is a princely boy. He's mm. the princeliest boy. He's an absolute fop. Mm. What they've done just enough animation to give him an astounding amount of character. Unlike everybody else, he's got his little rapier, and what he, what you can tell he's about to land a critical because he twirls it. Mm-hmm. What a ponce. Then Naruto runs 
up to the enemy, and sometimes he'll just sort of twat them on the head, and the other times he'll blast right through them and out the other side. That is great. That is just a lot of small touches to make him significantly cooler than every other character in the game. So it's always the little things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and you get you get used to some characters, like the now dead Jagan, uh, who was uh, my old man paladin, sworn protector of Marf. Uh, he he used to do uh, his animation. He used to sort of his horse got up on on two legs, jumped into the air, and then diagonally swooped at the enemy. That was another cool move. Cool character. Beast Jagan. He had to, he only died just an hour before play, uh, before recording this. It was actually uh, the I'm still getting over it. I'm, I'm sorry to speak of this so flippantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At the very very start, they give you Cain and Abel, who are two horsemen. Who you obviously can't help but mentally form a sibling rivalry between. Oh, I, I just assumed that from the from the get-go. <laughs> they are siblings, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, of course. Good, 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 yeah, of course. Uh, Kane came, came right out the bat. He killed some really good, really tough opponents. He got, like, a super sword, which basically made him the favorite, and then died traumatically about five maps in to some bullshit critical hit. Uh, leaving me with his lesser brother, Abel, who was living in the shadow of his ever-superior brother for up until, again, an hour ago when he also died in the same map that, <laughs> that oh, killed that Jagan. Is- that was a bad day. This would be that emergent storytelling that you were talking about. Yeah. The uh, See, I, that, that's a classic trope, which is, wow, you're really cool and competent and more experienced than the rest of us. You won't, you're not going to last. <laughs> no. But, I, you know, I like I like rolling with the punches of that. And it's uh, and because you also get the other side of it, where you get people who are completely fucking useless, but because they never die, miraculously, you're stuck with them. I, uh, is there a lot of character storytelling? Or are these just... Uh, pieces moving around on the map and Marf and Love Interest are the only ones that matter. There is some storytelling between you get a glimpse of story every time you recruit somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually the recruitment process uh, is a little uh, obscure. You know, sometimes you'll have to be talking to... When you bump into a person in the map, they have to be talking to the right character in your party. See, that that that's fine. I can see myself doing a, you know, an Iron Man run of that. That is to say, the intended way of doing it. Hmm. But uh, I, I feel like the moment you get like the, the modern Fire Emblem games... Where each character is fully fleshed out and developed, and you get unique scenes with them and things like that, where it becomes almost like a pseudo persona like dating sim. Mm. If, I feel like it's at that point that oh, the safe scumming is coming out because I am not missing out on that content. I'm not doing a second run of this game. Well, I believe for games past Fire Emblem Awakening, they have now given you a mode where the, it, there is no permadeath. But all my friends are going to make fun of me at school, Lee. Yes. I certainly will. I'm I'm all for save scumming on behalf of characters that matter. You know, like, if you've got a specific story you want to see unfold, you don't ruin the game just to play it to play it by its own rules. They give you the option to save scum. Just, just, you just, you, just you, be practical you, about it. Play the play the game, can, but don't, don't ruin the game for yourself. I know. <laughs> I can just tell that uh, there's going to be a weird transition phase where characters are introduced and fleshed out but the quality of life features haven't been put in somewhere along, like, four games in, and that problem isn't fixed until, like, seven games in, where it's mm. just going to be like, you know what I mean, right? Where they, where they introduce all these intensive storytelling mechanics, and then they don't have the tools yet to let you really enjoy it. Uh-huh, until, like, the sixth one, the fo- the momentum of so many people bitching at them finally bubbled over, and they... <laughs> yeah, they relented. They succumbed. Dark Souls easy mode. Mm, it's not the same. <laughs> oh, you, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> All right, we may as well may as well like lay it out in the line because I don't want to be that person. I think that if Dark Souls had started with an easy mode, it would have been fine. But the fact that they built, they cultivated a reputation for being these super hard games where the multiplayer is seamlessly integrated with the single player, they basically made it so that no, that was never going to happen from that point onwards. If the next From Software game has an easy mode, that'd be cool. But Dark Souls, it probably wouldn't work. Oh, specifically original Dark Souls you're talking about. Yeah, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, Bloodborne, th- those ones. Yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah no, I, I agree. Just, I, 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 I don't, I don't want, listen, Lee, I know that someone would have heard that remark and would have thought, oh no, Lawrence is one of those people. <laughs> I want the preempt, because in addition, you understand, to the invisible specter of a, a gatekeeper that no one can see but me, there is also the, uh, the, the, th- the thick-rimmed, glasses-wearing, purple-haired Twitter and or Tumblr user who is staring at the screen looking for the slightest reason to view me in the most uncharitable light possible mm-hmm. that I must also preempt. Uh, I think you did a good job today. Not today, bitch. <laughs> and you brought it. No, no, it's not. <laughs> See, bitch these days, it's, it's, it's a unisex insult, so I'm cool. <laughs> you call anyone a bitch. We regularly call each other bitches anyway, so... Yes, that's fine. That's, 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 I, I, got your back yeah. here. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, so I, that's basically it with Fire Emblem. It's a really good game, and should one happen to want to acquire it, you know, I'm not saying you have to wait three months. So, like, I, I mean it, you don't have to wait three months. <laughs> there are ways and means. That's all there is to say. <laughs> so, uh, hey, good job, 19... Oh, no. S- sets up a year, doesn't know the year. Is it 1990? <laughs> I mean, it would be the 30th anniversary, right? <laughs> That's alright. Fortunately, we have follow-up for that. That's a good one. It's very difficult to stop at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lesser men have failed. <laughs> Don't really Listen, know where I was going with continued that. Continued to sing this incredibly <laughs> catchy track. <laughs> All right, Lawrence. News this week: we watched the Video Game Awards. Not only did we watch, we 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 streamed it. The Game Awards, the game advertisements, whatever you want to call them, we saw them. We saw them. We were there. We stayed up for them. That's right, listener. If you would like to see myself and Lee talk over and completely unable to focus on the awards and trailers being shown because we're being bewildered by Lee's brother Shane, Shane Lee's brother's bizarre diatribes and completely incomprehensible line of reasonings, then tune in to Vectorman Live, twitch.tv forward slash Vectorman Live. That's twitch.tv forward slash Vectorman Live. It's pretty good. Yeah, that's actually you can't get it there anymore, but it might be on YouTube. Oh, yeah. If you would like to see us have to take it down immediately because they played no less than three copyrighted musics that can't be streamed without being demonetized, then tune in the Twitch. Yada, yeah, yada, yeah, the rest of the stream. YouTube.com slash Vectorman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's the that's the URL. Just, just, uh, just Google it. Mm-hmm. Tell people to stream your show and then make it impossible to stream. Thanks, guys. F- thanks, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Good job, Jeff. Good stuff. When you make yourself the face of the company, that means we also get to piss in your face when things go wrong, Jeff. Just ask Todd. 
<laughs> we don't need your business. We don't have your business. <laughs> yeah, but if you're giving out invitations for next year, Jeff, you know you know where to find us. <laughs> YouTube. Hmm. All right, yeah, so... Um, eh, uh, fit, where, do you, where do you even start with this? Oh, begging your pardon, viewers, I just need to interrupt real quick. Uh, we're, we're, we've been alerted. There's a whooper watch on happening right now, so keep an eye out. There may be whoopers around. You need to be careful. They're nasty little critters, so be wi- be mindful, be cautious. Save lives. Keep an eye out for the whoopers. That's a whooper watch public service announcement. Anyway, please continue, Lee. <laughs> I completely forgot about the whooper watch. The best kinds of jokes are the ones that you immediately forget about them. You know, no one, no one listening to this in a month's time is going to know what the fuck I'm talking about. But that just makes it all the more funny for me to say it right now, and that's what matters. Oh man, it was like a fever dream. We never got an explanation of that. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, um, where to start? <clears throat> I guess we could start with the actual awards, just to get it over with, because they're like the least interesting part of the awards. Uh, not that I have a list here. Uh, I mean, we did do a tally. Uh, and not that I... Ca- I mean, I could quickly calculate that. Who won the tally? I suspect it was not me. I mean, uh, I'm I'm pleased that I guessed No Man's Sky for best multiplayer when no one else did. Or whatever award it was that it won. It won an award and I guessed it and no one else did. And I'm pretty pleased about that. I am... Um, gonna say it was... Whoever said The Last of Us the most amount of times. <laughs> mm, that I think that's a very wise heuristic. Prudent rule of thumb. Mm, I uh, I mentioned The Last of Us Part 2 four, five, five times. Shane said it four times. Maria said it six times. Ooh, Mar- and Maria, your wife, your wife, Maria might have it. Mm-hmm. Lawrence said it. One, two, three times. Rigged. Oh, four times. Four times you said it. Mm. Amazingly, we weren't cynical enough. On that basis alone, Maria has won the competition. Congratulations, Maria, my wife, my wife, Maria. You've done it. We're you for the, the, the most approximately guessed awards given to The Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> we think, probably. I think the truth of it comes down to... What did it all feel like? What what does it all matter when The Last of Us wins more than enough anyway to ruin the uh, the majority of the other categories' fun? What a fucking downer! I didn't know I didn't know that uh, these awards until until you told me on stream that these awards were determined by popular vote. Now I feel like I need to double check that because not to be a condescending smug Western liberal elite. But the hoi polloi cannot be trusted to make these kinds of decisions, Lee. The great unwashed. <laughs> Preposterous. You're only diluting the art form by making it more accessible to the to the public. Alright, alright. I'm, I'm getting, getting my information straight here. This thing, this is the sort of thing that should only be decided by a highly si- shrouded and secrecy cloistered group of elder statesmen of the video game industry. Okay, alright. I was absolutely wrong about this uh-huh. there is a fan voting percentage on each winner but that percentage is only 10 percent. the rest is the 90 percent is a jury uh, i see and the best popular game presumably is the popular vote yes that must be the because I, I didn't understand that in the first place the uh, ghost of shishima winning the 
what was it, Player's Voice Award, mm-hmm. when all the rest of them were in my head, uh, public votes. Uh, that explains what's happened. The, uh, the Game Awards work with the biggest companies to narrow down a list of nominated games in the first place, and then the uh, the jury narrow it down further, further, and then vote on a winner. I, it was... I, was there an award that felt good? Uh, anyone that was given to Hades. Best indie? That feels like a pot shot. Best action, though, did go to Hades. That's good. It deserved it. it Shame deserved for that. Doom Eternal, but, uh, you know, Hades did quite well. Uh, I feel like, dare I say this? Technically, yes, it is an independently made game, but to say that Hades is indie at this point almost feels... I don't know, like, they're above the label. Like, it's like double A. Yeah. You know, the, like, a, a game like, for instance, The Last of Us Part Two would be triple A. But, <laughs> and something like Baba Is You would be indie, uh, single A, if you like. And a game like Hades would be, the, it's sort of the focus home interactive. They've reached that level, yeah. like the mid-tier double A space. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the, the problem being, of course, that, that that is something that is incredibly difficult to quantify, so giving an award to it sounds like it would be a very messy thing, so perhaps not the best idea. I know, I know. I, I, I just feel like the cloud of the studio has kind of elevated them. To, mm. I mean, they're in a category now where they're beating out Doom Eternal to awards. You know, that's, yeah. that's, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, it's like... Who won the best award for a game in which you fight your way through the underworld? Is it Doom or is it Hades? Turns out it's Hades. Whoops. Jesus. You beat fucking Doom at its own game. Uh, I was happy that, despite it being basically ineligible for most things, Among Us did get its rightly deserved 2020 shout-out in best multiplayer. Mm -hmm. That was good. All right, let's talk about some of the Mm. stuff that was announced at the Video Game Awards. Fuck the actual awards. They depressed me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fuck the Oscars. That guy was there. (laughs) They brought him back. They knew. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It was actually good to see him this year. I appreciate they didn't try to rehash the meme. They didn't just have him go, eh, fuck the Oscars. Anyway, here's my new game. Yeah. They did rehash his, his mocap suit appearance from the last time he was seen from that EA play presser. I assume at this point that's just what he looks like. Yeah, yeah. They just eat, sleeps, babes in this <laughs> mocap suit. He's always in character, yeah. man. Is like crazy talking heart i'm not gonna do this in order i'm just gonna talk about the ones that were interesting to me yep back for blood we i i feel like we should almost issue an apology because it took us to like what the last 10 seconds to go oh wait no it's the original team it's not a ripoff very sorry yeah yeah it's like mm-hmm. is this left for dead is this a left for dead ripoff <laughs> man video games really haven't progressed at all in the last 15 years says shane yeah. and we go no 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 it's a spiritual successor yeah, shane it's they're, okay they're- it's because people want it. Yeah, it looked good. Um, I've never played Left 4 Dead, though, so, I mean, I don't really have shit to say about it. I played it. the first one briefly, and <laughs> that's it. I own it. I own Left 4 Dead 2. I have not touched it. I own, uh, what's the other one? Killing Floor? Have not touched it. Probably because my computer can't handle it. Near Replicant. Got a little Got a little gameplay. Sorry, near replicant version 1.22474487139 ellipses. I assume that is correct because in the subsequent listening to this podcast, looking for things to follow up upon, I will pick up on it if it is bad. <laughs> I just happened to chance upon it in front of me. Um, mm. Looks good, man. It looks really good. Over over it Shane's 
<laughs> complaints uh, that it I, I looked didn't like wanna, I, I, I didn't want to feel like I was bragging on Shane, but it was particularly grating when it's like, uh, I'm trapped on the other side of this, the ether, and I can't talk to you in person to go, no, no, Shane, don't worry, it's cool, it's yeah, fine. And yeah. mm. uh, it's particularly upsetting because even I was, I was getting hard sold watching that trailer. Oh, well, this great. is just Kingdom Hearts. Those were his examples. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Shane, I'm sorry for listening, but you, 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 that's, you're that's a fool. That's a you're, you're wrong, Shane. <laughs> Listeners, we're sorry if you're listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what else we got? Uh, between that and uh, Crimson Desert, the f- uh, almost single-player looking Black Desert yes, Online follow-up. <laughs> That game that you and I spent the entire trailer looking at going, this looks really good. Mm. I don't know what it is. Uh, between those... What is this? Between those and Warhammer 40k Darktide, you know, like, a solid thumbs up to any trailer that came out with actual gameplay. I, I, I the breaks. Them's the rules. No gameplay, no hype. Walked away from those ones. Like, man, I, you know, I actually would play those. And maybe I will. I mean, m- maybe not. Maybe not Warhammer. I, like, I have to... I have to at least com- draw the line I, somewhere. I have, to, is that what you're no, I have to at least like if it's just going to be the 40k version of Fermentide, I should just stick with Fermentide until I finish that, right? Mm, maybe yeah, if probably. I fall in love with Fermentide too somewhere down the line, maybe Dark Tide's next on the list. We'll see. Crimson Desert though, look uh, good. I, I have no, I have no interest in playing this game, but I just think it's worth mentioning that like Schrodinger's cat. We n- never knew for certain until we cast eyes upon the title, but Lee and I were utterly convinced that Arc 2 was a reboot of Turok. Oh. It had to be. It had to be. The disappointment. All, all the planets were aligning. It had dinosaurs. It had, like, vaguely Native American characters. It had, like, humanoid sort of, like, reptilian enemies. We had a property whose studio had went out of business, and therefore the owners were up in the air. So it was like, it could... All the factors were there, but alas, mm, mm-hmm. it was not Turok. Vin Diesel's in it, though. He's a cool guy. And as uh, as we pointed out in the stream, uh, the parentage of Vin Diesel is questionable, so he could, in theory, be any given ethnic mi- minority at any given time. In fact, he could be multiple ones at once. Mm-hmm. So you can't technically accuse him of being whitewashing a Native American role, because you don't know. You don't know. Speaking of the appropriation of culture for mass marketing purposes, Hood! Outlaws and Legends. <laughs> looked good this time. I think it didn't make any impact on me last time I seen it. No, I, I actually looked at the the actual trailer later on. And I went, this has a lot of things that I like. It's just I'm a bit too caught up on the, this person is clearly an assassin and you have used the word assassin oh, yeah. in the tagline, which I thought was perhaps a bit too brazen. I don't know if you know, if if they if they lent towards older Assassin's Creeds. I mean, like it doesn't seem like the the real series is going that direction anytime soon. Might as well get our fix. Also, there was the it was yet another four player co op mission game, and I was like, yeah. you've played at least one too many of these in a row, guys. It's starting to wear thin. Uh huh. Uh huh. That being said, the premise of this, as far as I can understand, is medieval heist game, mm. stealth medieval heist, and I'm like. I would like some of that, please. I mean, yeah, you you, you say multiplayer uh, thief, and it sounds bad. But mm-hmm. you know, you say multiplayer. If you say medieval, uh, medieval Robin Hood robbing the no, rich. No, I, like, I was going to say what, what's the bank robbing game with the with the masks? Oh, payday. Payday. If you have med- if you one. say medieval payday, suddenly, ooh, it's sounding a bit more yeah, appealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good thinking. That's that's good brand management. 
Absolutely. Good guy's got to get you on that. Listeners, before we continue, I would just like to let you know that the Whooper Watch has been upgraded to a Whooper Warning. <laughs> They're on their way. They may be agents of the fairies. We're not sure. Please take cover in your homes. They may be responsible for cutting the communications lines. That might be why I lost connection earlier. Keep an eye out. Thumbs up to the back-to-back new game, no hypes uh, mm-hmm. for Bioware. Good job, Bioware. I mean, it was like a, it was like a, they, they used it almost like a statement to their shareholders, like, please, please, don't panic. Mm-hmm. Bioware still, they'll make the games that are that are marketable. We'll make your Dragon Age. We'll make your Mass Effect. Please. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip over Dragon Age because I, I'm the, I have no experience with that series, despite a, a vaguely interesting trailer and a terrible title. Uh, I'm just gonna go straight to Mass Effect, just to, con- to express my bewilderment, mm. because uh, not to give anything away, but the way in which that series ends is quite definitive, and if you were to have games that take place in that series that take place after it, you would need to shake things up considerably. In fact, you would actually need to pick an ending first, which on its own might upset people. And uh, some of those endings are paradigm shifting. Mm. There, It is not a coincidence that the game in this series that came after Mass Effect 3 was Mass Effect Andromeda, which, the premise of which was it takes place in a different galaxy entirely. But uh, they screwed that pooch, so no one got no going back to that. Mm. Uh, the smart money was that uh, any additional installations in this franchise would be prequels, mm-hmm. and they would take place during the, the, the first contact war or something like that. I wouldn't be interested in that sort of thing, because for me, Mass Effect is all about alien politics and rallying all these aliens together in order to fight a common foe and things like that, uh, and just bashing politicians' heads together to get their shit together because there's more important things to worry about, and just meeting new and interesting characters, maybe shooting them, maybe not, who can say? Mm. And the what this trailer seems to suggest is that this takes place after 3, and Liara's there, or a Asari is there, but it seemed to be Liara, and she seemed fine. <laughs> which means that they've picked an ending and went, this is the ending we're going for where everything's hunky-dory mm. m- mostly yeah. which which might annoy a few people or that they've decided to I don't know, maybe retcon things completely in order to facilitate future installations, which I don't care for but uh, I do like Mass Effect so I am pre- I am willing to be bought over mm. I am prepared to be I'm open to be convinced but you gotta do some real convincing none of that on drama right, here's shit. here's my here's my low-key gamble on Mass All Effect right. 4 or whatever we're calling it I'm mm. gonna guess they uh they do the the Star Trek reboot and they they, they incorporate a little bit of time time travel to give themselves a fresh lick of paint over what already tread ground. Ah, uh, but it can't be a reboot because it says Mass Effect will continue. Oh, that's what I mean. So, uh, but they've, they've shifted the timeline significantly so all the events play out differently, like in the reboot Star Trek films. So it's, it's not a prequel. Not- it's a loophole that technically is a reboot, but sneakily keeps all your lore intact and works functions as a sequel. That's how writers get away with it. <laughs> the problem with that is... Time travel. <laughs> is n- Well, I mean, no, not time travel. That's not a problem. The problem is that, and I'm going to have to really tiptoe around this, is that there were a f- couple of endings that you could have chosen in Mass Effect 3. Some of them were worse than others. It was a matter of perspective which of them were worse than others. But... Depend so long as you did everything right, most of the people in the galaxy are still alive. 
which probably would have been considered a acceptable outcome. Uh, but Lawrence, that's now all just an alternate timeline. Where this game takes place and it becomes the official sequel is at the point where you're about to make that decision, you get warped away to a renewed planet where you or a renewed timeline where you shouldn't have been there. <sighs> even mm, no, even so, because like it was the decision. Start it like, over. <laughs> you can't start it over. It's like you cannot th- this decision. You cannot leave for a couple of days and then come back. Like you can't be plucked out of time. Like maybe if you were plucked out of time and then came back literally a second later to make the decision, like you're not going back to that time. That timeline's fucked. You're moving on. New timeline. A hundred years before. Well, it can't be a hundred years before. That then it is a prequel, and it is uh, what people thought it was. But it's not a prequel because it doesn't play out like the lore does in the original. It's a sequel prequel. No, I I don't think it's my low key bet. Low key bet. Twenty twenty four. Bioware 4 is a Star Trek reboot. Put it out there. All right. What were you interested in? Uh, what was I? What was I interested in? I, yeah, Sephiroth and Smash. I was interested in that. That uh, was a good yeah. trailer. Yeah. I, I appreciated the online reaction to this, which is, you know, most people would be like, oh, another sword character. Christ, they're just saturating <laughs> the ranks, yada, yada, yada. But, like, everyone was like, mm, yeah, all right. Yeah, we'll let it slide this time because, you know, you know, it's it's Sephiroth. It's the guy, right? Mm. It's the it, it is the Final Fantasy bad guy. <laughs> it is you know, for a while it was the Sony bad guy. Perhaps it still is. It's fucking Sephiroth. Yeah. Uh, someone on Twitter said uh, some kid told them that Sephiroth is the Sans Undertale for boomers, which is <laughs> oof, yeah, wow. Also deeply accurate. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I'm not too sure about that, but I will say that One Winged Angel is the Megalovania for boomers. Mm. I will say that much. <laughs> I will concede that to you, hypothetical child who might not exist. But uh, yes, this was excellent distraction technology employed by Nintendo. Yeah. Don't worry, mm. we haven't been distracted. We'll be getting to you later. Okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, what the fuck else was I interested in? I, I was interested. I was interested in the cringe uh when old man red versus blue got rolled out first of all you yeah. your your the next generation character master chief has has been wheeled out for fortnite yeah it would be fortnite wouldn't it but they they bust out the cringe yeah but oh man then they followed up with red versus blue they've wheeled them out uh-huh Jeff and who was the other one that uh it wasn't gus was it jeff and the gus. old guy what do you call the old guy Sarge. Yeah. Sarge. I don't, he, who voices Sarge? Is it Bernie? Fuck, I don't know. I never watched Red vs. Blue. I did a long time ago. I tried to watch the first season because I noticed there were seven seasons and the, the ones at the end were really good looking. Mm. And I was like, well, you know, I'll watch the first season. And I was able to get find about ten episodes and then never found the rest. Gave up on it. And now there's like fucking 14 seasons of that shit. And I'm not, ah, fuck, I ain't got time for that shit. It's one of those shows I kind of feel like I imagined watching because none of it, so little of it was retained and certainly none of it is as funny as the kid who was watching it found it at the time if he did find it yep. all that funny. One, another show that's in my head that's kind of like that, uh, Mystery Science Theater. Mm-hmm. That's a show that I've definitely watched like four episodes of the original run of and I cannot for the life of me tell you which episodes they were. I don't even know if I could name the characters. There's the Tom Servo. Uh, that's yeah. about as far as I can go. That's one third of the characters. Yeah, yeah. So you're that's, doing pretty that's, good. That's one of the puppet characters. That's not even the the guy's name and the and, and the villains. 
You know, I remember the setup. I remember definitely. It's like at the same time I was watching like uh, Spoonie, you know, a guy who's mm-hmm. like, you kind of can't even remember what his videos were like. It was so long ago. Oh, I remember Spoonie. Don't you worry. Uh, I remember Spoonie. <laughs> Fun fact, Spoonie had his own little robot that was a deliberate send up of Mystery Science Theater that's that broke right. and he never used it for most of his most of his career. Uh, that's right, because it was in the intro titles or something, wasn't it? Uh, and I don't mm-hmm, remember yeah. ever seeing it in action. <laughs> And then he went crazy, and nobody has heard from him since. Yeah. Happened to them all. <laughs> mm, happens to the best of them. That's the Channel Awesome curse. <laughs> anyway, the, the red versus blue. It was it was desperate, desperate to behold. You ever hear of Fortnite? What's a Fortnite? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I was joking. I was joking about it on stream, but it read like a bad Family Guy episode, <laughs> where it's like, "Oh my God, Lewis, look who it is! It's celebrity from property." That celebrity is from. I, I mean, oh my that's, God, that's giving Peter. a lot less credit to Family Guy. I think they could at least put some sort of po face on that shit. <laughs> mm. This was. Ooh. I like that it came in tears. It was like waves. Like there was an escalation of cringe. <laughs> yeah. Where it was Fortnite bad start. Uh-huh. Master Chief. Okay. Red versus blue funning it in. Oof. You know, yeah, just yeah. like was just tears one, two, tears three. running. Oof. And then it's like, oh, it's Ninja. Oh, oh, oh my god. Follow me, Master Chief. I'll show you where to go. Ah. <laughs> working out his uh working out his new acting chops as he breaks his way into Hollywood. Mm. Jesus. We never talked about that, and we never will. Um No, we you, you forgot that Ninja was in until I brought it up because you're minded. <laughs> really hot. Uh last last bit from the video game awards. Among Us gets an airship. That's that's basically it. That was what I was I'm excited yeah, about that. That's good. I'm pretty good about that. Uh yeah, I mean uh everyone looking at that goes, it allows you to choose which location to reappear in after the end of a meeting. That's pretty, pretty cool. It's cool. an actual game change. Can't wait to play mm-hmm. it. Alright, so Season. Season, yes. That was announced. Yes. Yes, I uh, I think people who say this is the game or movie we need right now are stupid and deserve to be put into a big bag and hip of a stick. However, I will say this is the game that I need right now because I want it direct, directly injected into my heart like some kind of anaphylactic stick and EpiPen, an EpiPen in the heart, like yeah. that scene from Pulp Fiction. Like a, like a permanent glass bottle that somehow preserves one from the very food tasting. It, uh, for listeners who don't know, it was the one with uh, the black lady with the Lenin glasses on her bike looking at uh, ancient civilizations in her notebook. And I'm like, yes, please, yes, please. I would like some of this right now. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it technically has... It technically has gameplay because it's not lying to you. It will be a lot of walking around and looking at things. <laughs> mm-hmm. Walking around and cycling. So it technically falls within the realms of game, therefore hype. <laughs> I liked that our main hero here has a, has the same bike as Maria has. I was, oh, I was excited really? about that. It's the exact same color and everything. An easy sell to Maria yep, then. Yep, yep. Look, it's your bike. Buy game. <laughs> That's how I often make purchases and purchasing decisions. Did you know? <laughs> did you know it's a strange recurring theme of road trip stories? Yeah, there was also there, there, there was also uh, what was it called? Open roads. Yeah, that, the one that that was a no game, no hype, but it looked very nice. And then there was Road ninety six, which I was marginally more interested in because the implication was all of these scenarios are procedurally generated, yeah. which. I'm thinking to myself, okay, so what they've done is they've made a shit ton of self-contained stories mm-hmm. or episodes 
that happen between you and your destination. And then they've randomized them. So, like, say, you'll get the, the, the bank robbers. That will be part one of your journey. Part two of your journey will be something else. Part three, you bump into the cop. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, presumably, there's, like, I don't know. Well, maybe not a hundred, but, like, dozens of these things to choose from. And I thought, that's neat. I like that premise. It's kind of like an evolution of already cut from previous episode game that I talked about. Wheels of Aurelia. Which is so interesting, we're not going to mention it any further. <laughs> I have to relook that up, because I completely forgot about it. <laughs> so did the world. You know what, you can look forward to listening to it, as it factors in somewhere in my top 102 of the year. Did you mention this? I don't recognize <laughs> Exactly, this. yeah, because it was such a boring conversation that I cut it from the episode, and when nobody remembers it anymore. Well, nobody heard it but us, and it took me looking for the games I played this year to even remember that I had discussed it at some point, but I definitely did. <laughs> And it was like, man, you know what? I have nothing to say about this. Moving on. All right. Let's see. Anything last? No. That's that's all I got to talk about as far as the TGAs are concerned. Good stuff. A, a triumphant year. I prefer E3, but I'll be there next year, Game Awards. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you know, the the Pixies, the fairies, they they made it difficult for old Jeff. He was doing the best he can. He had to wear his immun- <laughs> immunization boots the whole way through the conference. Mm-hmm. At one moment, he needed to take cover within the gamer decahedron in order to fend off attacks <laughs> like i know a lot of our, our our material doesn't stand the test of time in general but this stuff is mm. never going to it's never going to stay oh no <laughs> you heard of every green t- content this is ever brian content it's gone <laughs> it's gone stale the moment the episode ends <laughs> Speaking of things immediately going stale upon coming out, Cyberpunk 2077. Mm. Yeah, let's see. Where do we begin? All right, so no console review copies were given out. Uh, The embargo demands that only B-roll footage provided by CD Projekt Red is permitted to be used in reviews. The game is causing seizures in some photosensitive players. That just got patched out, but yes. People's penises are clipping through their trousers. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the previous generation versions of these games are so bad as to be unrecognizable. <laughs> like, they look like different games. They look completely different. Let's not forget the slightly more creepy story about the... Did you hear about the chips? The chips? The the, the bonus chips? No, I did not. Oh, gives you shivers. So apparently the corporate structure up until the game released... Uh, well, uh, let, me, let me wheel forward and backwards at the same time. Uh, there was a press statement by whoever the president of C- CDPR is who said, you know what, forget it about the whole you're not getting your bonuses unless we do well in Metacritic thing. Oh, I, I was about to bring that up, yeah. Everybody is getting their bonuses. So mm-hmm. what you want to then look into is who the hell, quote unquote, everybody is. Everybody isn't everybody. Everybody is whoever got the chips. At CDPR, they have a weird incentive system i guess where your line manager if you if seen to work hard enough will tap you on the shoulder and give you a cdpr logo emblazoned chip and that was your ticket to a bonus if bonuses were going this is the first i've heard of this This is what this obviously entails is that you crunch harder you get a chip Hmm. uh that is like the worst system (laughs) 
<laughs> All right. So, I mean, I guess it depends on how toxic the workplace environment is because, uh, you know, I work at a pretty chill place. Mm-hmm. And uh, the place I work at, my line manager's chill. And she would just give me a chip. It's like, there you go. Worker solidarity. Here's your chip. Yeah. If your line manager is a shit, yeah, basically holding it over you, then you don't get your chip, then that's fucked up. And here I was thinking that I was going to be able to tell the news story about how the execs decided to no longer withhold the bonus, and that would be a sort of, hey, maybe you know, maybe this is <laughs> this is maybe CE Project right, reflecting upon the mistakes they made with the release of this game, and then you know, turning over a new leaf and making new plans and reshuffling things, their corporate procedures. But I guess maybe not. Let's talk about the crunch, right? So I'm inclined to give CD Projekt Red more of a buy ball in this than most companies, although that pay- that that uh, that leeway has quickly worn thin mm. because there's two kinds of crunch, right? One has a tendency to evolve into another. Where uh, I recently, well, not recently, this was a while ago, but uh, it's fresh in my mind because of Tim Rogers' review of Doom. I own a copy of Masters of Doom, Uh which catalogs the the rise and fall of id Software Mm -hmm. and its founders. And when they were first starting off, they crunched themselves to shit, although they didn't use those words. The vocabulary for these things didn't exist back then. They just, but of of course they did. They because because they were a small team. Of maybe six people, highly driven people, uh, only v- ambiguously human. In the case of John Carmack, who it seems uh, seemed to enjoy it. This is a man who, because his cat was making too much disturbances around the office, gave it away so they could continue to work on the game without being troubled by it. John Carmack, that guy. Well, you know, probably an artist. Is that libel? <laughs> I don't think that's libel. Like I'm not a, that's not an accusation, but you know, the signs are there. <laughs> Props to the guy. You know, I I respect him. He's cool, but he gave his cat away. Oh, yeah. He brought his cat to a shelter because the cat was proving too distracting whilst they were working on the game. That's uh I was going to say that's dedication, but I, I don't want to th- That's a weird thing to do, my man. You don't want to legitimize that kind of <laughs> that dedication. In in any case, John Romero left id to work on his own game, Daikatana. Mm-hmm. You have most likely heard of Daikatana, <laughs> perhaps not in the most glowing of terms. One of the reasons why this game was doomed from the get-go is because John Romero was a terrible manager. Uh, he brought his indie spirit with him to Ionstorm, the developers of Daikatana, mm-hmm. but they worked in an office building with a considerably larger team, uh, and he tried to apply the old practices of just like staying in and crunching until the work got done because that's what he knew and that's how, that was the indie work ethic at the time mm-hmm. and it didn't fucking work and people hated him and the game was a dumpster fire and people quit and it almost ruined him. Like his reputation was in the toilet for like years after the fact. That's the first kind of crunch which is a company did this because it was okay when they were small but then they outgrew it but they kept doing it. Sure. Mm-hmm. This is in my mind what the CD Projekt Red crunch is at the minute which is they start off small you know, they made The Witcher, and then roughly around the time they made The Witcher 3, they got big, mm. too big, too big, too quickly, and now suddenly they're AAA, and they're still doing this crunch shit, and that's not okay anymore. This is where the second type of crunch that comes in, mm. which is, you've been legit and big for at least five years. <laughs> you're, you're Activision now, you're EA, you're, you're big boys yeah. b- doing big business, and you're still doing this shit. 
which is it, it stops being a matter of oh growing pains for the company and it just becomes we have chosen to do this because it's we've always done it it's corporate culture and we do, we we're inertia prevents us from doing anything different it's at this point that it ceases to be excusable and it becomes just either short-sightedness a complete failure of management or just like capitalistic greed and evilness on, on the executive's part mm-hmm. and this is where cd project red now finds itself at a crossroads where they are now already in if not are towing the line of the distinction between these two types of crunch and they really need to seriously examine themselves because at this point it's not too late yeah they yeah. can still turn back cdpr you're not ea yet you're not ea yet but you can see it from here you can see them at the other end of the line, like drawing the name of like a single finger. Come over here. Come join us. Join us, CD Projekt Red. Yeah, it's it's been dragged into the daylight at this point. Every facet of this story doesn't look good. It just feels like the backlash is actively affecting things a little bit. And you can't mm-hmm. possibly want that for your company, for your products, for your games, for the, whatever you're trying to do with yourselves. You know, even Rockstar gets less flack than this, and they're a fucking shit show. <laughs> well, I mean, that's because Rockstar make incredibly popular games that everyone buys, and have their, they've been doing this for a while, and they have their own defense force. CD Projekt Red has their defense force, but a lot of that defense force came about because of smart decisions and being pro-consumer, mm-hmm. and a lot of early on goodwill, which they are rapidly losing. Because in addition to their game being incredibly crunchy, it's also come out and it's not very good. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure they'll fix it and in a year's time it'll be a fine game to play. But, like, you know, they're not writing articles about the game a year after it comes out. They're writing about them now and it's not looking good. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, Well, before we we swoop on to other bad companies, a little footnote Mm -hmm. here. Uh, to say that Supergiant Games, out and out, didn't didn't crunch to make Hades. Nope. Loads of articles about it. Loads of interviews. Very good. Very, very mm-hmm. clap it about. You know what? I'd say that, that, that warrants them for best action game of the year, at the very least. Indeed. Of course, Naughty Dog crunched their workers like shit as well. So, uh, <laughs> bad, bad dog. Anyway, Hades, in addition to not crunching their worker, gives them mandatory vacation time. So the psychological tricks that companies not only play on their employees, but that employees play on themselves, where they go, you know, I could take my leave any time now, but, ah, you know, I I, I don't want to feel bad. Mm -hmm. They can't even do that, because guess what? Relaxation is mandatory at Supergiant Games. You will go to Bahamas, and you will have a good time, (laughs) damn you. Man, what a company. I really, really really hope Supergiant Games, they either, you know, they... If, if it starts to spin downwards, you know, they either get too big or it spins out of their control, just dissolve. Just just wrap yeah. it up. That uh, that mandatory holiday thing, consider that to be your, your canary. If that goes, the canary is dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, if somebody taps you in the back and hands you like a picture of the super giant star on a token, you know, mm-hmm. it's time to leave. The day, the day, the gig's up. Uh, a quick trio of delays... Uh, Halo Infinite, delayed to Autumn 2021. Prince of Persia, Sad. the gaudy-looking rubber face version, delayed till March. Mm-hmm. And most appallingly of all, Windjammers 2 delayed till indefinite TBH, TV, DVD. Oh, terrible. Love Windjammers. Excited, I'm excited about Windjammers 2. Cyberpunk 2077 has been retroactively de- delayed for another six months. You need to give your copy back right now. <laughs> All right. 
We've put it off. Nintendo. The fuck have you been doing? What's going on here? What do you, you think this is a game, bitch? What are you doing here? Listener, I referred you back a couple of weeks to uh, the new story that the Smash Brothers tournament that was being held using the Slippy mod for Smash Brothers Melee mm-hmm. had been cancelled because Nintendo are terrified of emulators and think that they're all piracy when they're not. Uh, Lee, say something so I know that um, uh, the Slippy mod for Melee meant that they thought that it was an emulator and that they were all pirated or just maybe they didn't care enough to really think that hard about it so they cancelled it and they also cancelled the Smash Ultimate tournament that was happening at the same time because they were concurrent, they were part of the same organisation. Fast forward one week a Splatoon 2 tournament that was being co-hosted by Nintendo Mm -hmm. Uh, the teammates, the teams that were taking place in solidarity of the Melee community changed a lot of their names to things like you know, Free Melee, 30% of the the participants changed their name to reference Free Melee in some some Mm -hmm. capacity. Uh, Nintendo pulled the stream, essentially deplatforming them. Uh, They continued the tournament on community-wise otherwise which is good of them, fight the good fight guys Mm -hmm. but uh, they were essentially deplatformed by Nintendo. Uh, Flash forward another week and uh, ugh, just Nintendo not content to sit on its laurels, on uh, its skull throne, having already cashed in all their chits, <laughs> used up all their goodwill. <laughs> they have now, let me the, all of the soundtracks for Super Mario 64, Ocarina of Time, and Mario Kart Wii have been blocked in their entirety on YouTube by Nintendo of Japan. Guys, what are you doing? <sighs> what are you doing? And, I, and you know what? I'm emphasizing Nintendo of Japan because yeah. I am fairly confident that, you know, this is coming from them. Like, uh, you know, some people might say, oh, it all started going downhill after do- after Bowser took over. But, you know, I, I yeah, don't high, think high, high that, convenient. that's what... You're forgetting that there was another change in the leadership there, if you're on that thing. And it was on the Japanese side of the company. Is the new president of as of 2018, of Nintendo Japan. That guy's name is Shintaro Furukawa. Hmm. And to be honest, him coming rather than, while having worked in Nintendo, being a little bit of a younger generation than the majority of the other leading leading heads at the company, he comes mostly from the business end of the company rather than the Mm, console creation gameplay design consumer end of the company. Mm -hmm. And me thinks... Not to, not to just point one man, make all the difference, but the last couple of years I've seen a good couple of these bullshit decisions in the shadow of trend chasing, digital app, mobile phone crap. It's all come in this 2018 plus wave. Mm-hmm. Shantara Furuka, one of the dudes at least definitely on board who said he wanted to shake things up at the company. I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's too much of a stretch to say that we're currently in the shake up. Shake down more like. Yeah. Yes, I agree. It's most likely Nintendo Japan. I don't know if it's this one dude, but uh, if he hasn't already, uh, Doug Bowser is probably on the phone <laughs> going, guys, you need to chill the fuck out. For real. Mm-hmm. You're ruining the reputation of this company. This is the worst it's been in a long time, especially with this timed release exclusive baloney. Yeah. I- I've even heard stories like, well, I mean, y- you say it's this one guy and you know what? Perhaps it is. But uh, I would hear stories of Iwata back in the day having to do the full-on, on his knees, forehead on the ground in front of shareholders and investors in order to persuade them to not do stupid shit and, like, bugger up plans that they had in place in order to keep things good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iwata's not around anymore, tragically. Tragically. Uh, 
this new guy, you know, he's probably not going to do that. I mean, Nawada shouldn't have to fucking do that, but hey, you play the hand you're dealt with, and he did great. I guess we'll just see if the new guy... No, I'm not going to say I guess we'll just have to see, because we're seeing it right now, yeah. and it's shit. Yeah, it looks it fucking sorted out. You know, like, it's, in this year, it's been an exceptionally profitable year for Nintendo. What what the what the fuck is the rest of it about? You know, like yeah, it's all the- you know what? it's it's that one kid and his mother suing them for eighteen million quid for over the controller drift problem. They gotta make the they gotta recoup the costs. Yeah, yeah, it's not gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they have some of the best selling games of a year when we're already in a worldwide recession. Whatever they're trying to convince their shareholders of, it can't possibly be worth this. No, no, I mean, no, 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 no. What I'm suggesting is, is that the the current guy is no longer the bulwark. He's no longer the Aegis to shield the company from clueless Japanese Yeah, that's what I'm getting at as well. That's what I'm getting at as well. I don't want to put the blame at one guy's feet. It's a, it's a democratically owned company. Mm-hmm. It just so happens that most democratically owned companies are owned by greedy stockholding businessmen <laughs> so Pluto usually needs somebody somebody on the on the forefront on the company end defending the intentions of the company to the shareholders mm-hmm. and convincing them they'll have their money they've been getting their money they don't have to get all of the money they don't also have to chase the fan community which will be the money mm-hmm. it's just that- very short-sighted well that's the way of things most game companies they cannot see any further than the next two quarters Well, listener, we have ended on a bummer, as is tradition. <laughs> Listeners, I have just received word that the, the the whooper warning has been upgraded to a whooper wipeout. We are in serious trouble. You need to hunker down. Lock your windows and doors. They're coming, listeners. They're coming. 